Well, good day, fellowship. It's great to be with you. We're going to spend some time in God's Word, so if you have your Bibles, open it up to Philippians chapter 3. And as you're doing that, let me just call, call your attention, just thank you. If you served with ShareFest yesterday, uh, it was a great day. We served in many locations throughout the city. Um, it was so windy. It was so windy. I mean, the morning, I, I showed up with a full head of hair, and it was so bad, it just blew my hair off. The other thing I want to just mention with you is in the atrium as you leave, there is a replica of a church that we're building in India. We've built so far uh, around nine of these churches. We'd like to build uh, 20 of them. And uh, if you want to stop by on your way out, just take a look at that and what's happening in India today. We built it so you can kind of see what's happening there. Um, We're going to be going into God's Word, and we're starting a four-part series called Nothing to Lose. And uh, I don't know what's going on in your life. I, I know some of the things that are going on in your lives, some of the things that are happening, not just here in town, but with you. Uh, I know what's happening in my life. And as we come to this concept, I'm just thinking about wherever you're at right now, where's your, where's your relationship with Christ? Where is Christ in your life? And when I talk to people about this, um, I, I usually hear an answer like this, and it's probably because I'm a pastor. Joe, I'm not where I want to be. I, I wish I spent more time in prayer. I wish I spent more time in, in God's Word, the Bible. Or I wish I would serve more. I wish I would do more. And there's this, this concept of they're not where they want to be. And then I ask, but, but what would that take? What would that take to move closer to the Lord right now or to go deeper with Christ now? What would that take? And here's the response. Well, I'd like to do that, but we're busy with the kids. I'm busy with school. I've got a, my job right now is just overwhelming. And there's all these excuses that if I would be full in, all in with Christ, I would lose something. I would lose something of myself. I've even talked to people who go, I, I don't know. I don't know that I want to follow Jesus. It doesn't look like Christians can have fun. Yeah. I, I don't know that I want to follow Jesus because I, would, I wouldn't be able to have life on my own terms anymore. And I kind of like the independence of that. I would lose independence if I followed Jesus. Or I would lose my friends. I would lose my friends and I would be lonely. Or the guy of my dreams or the girl of my dreams. I would fear, you know, we wouldn't match on that anymore. And so we live like there's something to lose by following Jesus. Well, this four-part series is really all about living as if there's nothing to lose when we follow Christ. And Paul is really going to build that case of how to live like there's nothing to lose, that when you have Christ, you have nothing to lose in life. Let's take a look at that in Philippians chapter 3 and see how he builds this case for us. He says, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, it says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Look at that. What does he identify in that passage there that is the most important, most priceless, most valuable thing in his life? The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And that's the goal of the Christian life, is to know Christ. 
Paul said, of all those other things, I want to lean into Christ. I want to know all about him. And just think about what the difference this could make in our lives. If we opened up God's word and said, God, I want to know you better. That's why I'm in the word. I'm not in the word because I think I need to be in the word um, and to check the box. Right? I need to pray to you just because to check the box so that I do all the right things. But rather, when I pray, when I get into the word, when I serve, I want to know you in serving you. I want to know you in learning more about you. I want to know you by trusting you more. That's what Paul is saying, to know Christ. Why does this make all the difference, not only in our daily lives, but in our pursuit of Christ? Why does this make all the difference in the world? There's three reasons I want to give you, and they're shown in this passage. And the first one is this, knowing Christ shifts your confidence. Knowing Christ shifts your confidence. Paul is going to build the case of a life that is self-confident and a life that is Christ-dependent. And he's going to share the differences. Because for uh, an early part of his life, it was all about what he was doing for, to be righteous before God, to be right before God. All the right things, all the good things he was doing, that was his life, and that was his passion. And you know what? We can fall into that. Some of us believe that we can do the right things, and God will be pleased with us. Or if our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds, then God has this scale up in heaven that he's looking at our lives, and okay, you're in, and on a bad week, you're out, and so you're always wondering, where am I, right? And that's a self dependent, confident life. But Paul knew what it was like, not just to know Christ, but to trust Christ with his life. That, that made all the difference in his life. Now think about how confidence works in our lives. Think about just that word trust. It's kind of the basis for our hope, and it, it kind of um, fuels our vision of the future. But confidence on our performance is really based on percentages and probabilities. I mean, we don't, have to, we don't have to leave the Little League field to know what we're talking about here. I mean, when you're a Little League coach and there's another team that you're playing, and I know they don't keep score, but every adult keeps score, right? And you're playing them, and their, their record is one win, 20 losses, right? Okay, you're excited to play them. And then there's another team, and their thing is 20 wins and one loss. You get a little nervous on that. It's all based. Confidence is based on performance. But the gospel, by its very nature, confronts confidence. It, it confronts who you place your confidence in. And it ultimately shows us that none of us can save ourselves. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us can do enough good works to satisfy a holy and righteous God. And so the the gospel confronts us so that we realize no one can save me except Jesus. And that's why to be a follower of Jesus, we have to come to the point of being at the end of ourselves, of calling it out. We, We were sinners. There's no way I can save myself. But Jesus lived a perfect life. And he died a final death on a cross for me. And he rose again on the third day. And a believer believes that. They trust that. 
But look at how Paul develops this whole case of where he used to be and how he came to the end of himself. Let's take a look at that in the verses that preceded. Verse 4. He said, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. This had a lot to do with Paul performing. Look at, look at how he builds it. It's almost like he builds a skyscraper in self-confidence, in his structure of confidence here. He goes, I was circumcised on the eighth day. And this has no meaning to us right now, especially outside of the context of Jewish faith. I mean, none of you thought I would ever say that word in church today, circumcised on the eighth day. Like, that's big. But it really was. It was a sign of the covenant of God's promise to Israel. And if you were really a, a full-on Jew, you would, you would have this done. And it's still done. And the eighth day was the day God told them to do this. So that was his union card. And, and then he was of the nation of Israel. And he was a, of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, a persecutor. I mean, the most strict interpretation of the law, most literal interpretation of the law. Paul said, that, I was in that group. We didn't fudge. We were full-on and we were all in. And he tried to build a structure of righteousness by his own performance. And ultimately, what he came to realize, glance over me and with me to verse 10, is he says that ultimately I'm found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. So instead of performing, Paul is building the case that trusting ought to be the work of our lives. It ought to be the focus of our lives. Instead of performing, doing all these good things, trying to impress God, rest or trust in the completed work of Christ. Because that's what the gospel is. Your righteousness is not good enough to save you. Only God can do that, and he did through Christ. He lived, he died, he rose again for you. When you trust in him, you receive the righteousness of God. Paul's building that case. And, and when you know Christ, you will learn more and more about your own sin and, and his perfection and his work. Trusting, knowing Christ shifts Confidence. I, I don't know what yours is, but do you remember Stuart Smalley? He was a Saturday Night Live character. Probably not if you watch it today, but in, when, in the 90s, sorry. Um, in the 90s, Al Franken played this character, and he, he was all focused on these positive thoughts. So he'd look in the mirror, and he goes, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. That was his whole structure of confidence, and, and it was showing the hollowness of this, all this self-esteem-building stuff in our culture today. But we're called to put our confidence in Christ. Don't be the Stuart Smalley. Be the person who looks to the Word and leans in to know God. And the more you know about God, the more you're going to understand about yourself. Knowing Christ shifts confidence. But secondly, it also clarifies significance. It clarifies the significance of the things we're pouring our lives into. 
And Paul, look at how he develops this again. Whatever gain I had, whatever gain I counted lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And then he says in the latter part of verse 8, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Now, rubbish is an interesting English word. We think we ought to be in Britain for that, Great Britain for that, right? Rubbish. We should talk like that. But really, the Greek word of that word is skubala, which actually was a four-letter word in Greek. Parents didn't let their kids say skubala around the house. And it's like dung. That's the kind word for it. He said, I take whatever I was performing and and I throw it away. I stay away from that because ultimately what I have in Christ is priceless. As, as Paul was building into all these things he was performing from, he was seeing their value was always decreasing. And when he came to Christ, he said, look at that, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, the, my Lord. He, was, it, he just saw Christ as priceless. The treasure that he found, the something of incomparable beauty and wonder and glory, the person and the work of Jesus in his life. You know, he kind of goes, I don't know how many of you are accountants or counting majors or bookkeepers who do the numbers and look at balance sheets, but ultimately what he's, he's going, he's going like an accounting here, and he's taking a look at the balance sheet of his life, and he goes, anything that, that is in my resume of things that I've done, that I've performed for, that I've tried to really bolster up what a righteous, a good, the life it ought to be, that... I had to throw it away. I had to clear them off the books. They, I had to revalue them and recategorize them. They're now off the table. And I have the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It was priceless. Don't you realize that? When we're into the performance-based life, when we're always thinking about what do I got to do, whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, whether it's, whether it's a, a future or a opportunity or a business deal, as long as I'm in this wheelhouse, things are always going to be, do I have enough? Am I good enough? Things that you bet on today are going to tank tomorrow. You buy the new car, and, and in seconds later when you drive it, off, drive it off the lot, it's worth four grand less. Everything is decreasing. Nothing is staying the same, and that's where we come to Christ, and we rest, and we put our trust in him, and we realize this is priceless. When, hallelujah, all I have is Christ. Because when you have Christ, it's enough. It's enough. Knowing clarifies that uh, significance of Christ. Paul says, I have Christ. It's, he's never to be taken away. I'm always his child. He's always my father. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. I want to know him. I want to know him more. Knowing clarifies significance. And thirdly, knowing transforms resemblance. And look at, look at what he's saying here as he develops it. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection... And may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, 
that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Look at this. The key phrase here is as Paul leans in and knows more, guess who he becomes like? He becomes like the person he knows. You may see this. It works like this in relationships. How valuable it is for you to keep knowing someone. Even in marriage, if you've been married for a while, the second you say, I'm not going to know you anymore, that's just the way you are, and these phrases come up, he'll never change. You know, those thoughts, once those are, guess what? The relationship is at risk because you've stopped knowing them to understand them. And some of you, especially if you, if it's been like 16 years old when you walked away from the church and you're just getting back in now, I mean, you're, you're, you're realizing pretty much how I saw the world in the area of faith is where I stopped knowing more about God. And I mean, churches are filled with people who have a fourth grade understanding of God and they haven't allowed God to teach them more and grow more with them as they knew more about him. If you're 40 and you're engaging Jesus with a fourth grade faith, you're going to need to know more about who Jesus is. And so that's why it's all, we're always called into the, to the knowing more of who God is and the growing in that because you can't grow in what you don't know. And so we're called in. And Paul ultimately says, look, you, you are what you know. You are what you know. And, and as he knew all about performance and he knew that things were always decreasing, he ultimately, his life was ultimately worldly. But as he came to Christ and started trusting in Christ and realized that Christ was the pressure, pre, pre, excuse me, treasure that was priceless, then he actually would become like Christ and be godly. This is where the knowing grows the becoming. We become more like Christ, the one we know, the one we understand, the one we learn. The goal of the Christian life is to know Christ. And knowing Christ leads to becoming like Christ. That's why Paul could say ultimately the greatest picture in his life was, I want to know him. I want to know him in all different situations and circumstances. And so which leads me to really just talk through this real quick. The last point I... I, I want to make here is this when when we're in this category we're always going to be striving just striving to perform more to keep up with the times and to keep with the world around us we're actually called into resting with Christ where our confidence is not based on our works our confidence is placed in the person and the work of Jesus. We're no longer wondering where are we with God? We have confidence because we have Christ. And here this has everything to lose by following Christ. Here we already have it. We have nothing to lose with Christ. That's what it means to live like there's nothing to lose because Christ is enough. So let's go personal here and let's talk. And I want you just to think about what we've, just these two patterns of life right now. A life where self is the measure and where Christ is the measure and the difference this makes. 
And I don't know where everyone in this room is. I mean, you, you look really healthy right now. Everyone looks good. But uh, God knows exactly what's going on in your lives and in your hearts right now. And so when you come to a place like this, number one, thank you for being here. Um, we don't just talk about God's word. We talk about God's word in our lives. So I want to talk about your life right now. Some of you have had a great week. You, things are going really well for you. You got the promotion. Your kids potty trained. All that thing happened in one week, and everything is great. And your prayer to God is, God, just don't make it end. Just don't mess with my life. I like exactly how it is. God, give me a good, good sunshine today. Less wind, please. And can we have a, a happy family dinner after church today? So, and we have that picture that this is the life. God gives me the life I want. And just keep it, God. Don't mess with it. And then there's others of us who've just had a horrible week. We've had news that's been devastating. Some of you have been diagnosed with a worse diagnosis than you originally thought. Some of you are reeling from a tragedy we had in our city last night of a Washburn football player being shot and killed. And so we're wondering, God, what are you doing? Do you know what's going on? Do you care what's going on? Some of us have had a relationship that shocked us this past week. We thought our future was with that person. They said, I just want to be friends. And it's just middle school. It's just middle school. (laughs) There's so many things going on with us. And our prayer might be, God, where are you? It didn't turn out the way I wanted you to be. And so here's a thought I want you to think about. And I'm going to share what's happening in my life right now. And then I'm going to invite you to think about what this means for yours. What if we could take a message like this where Paul says, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and just ask God, Lord, I want to know you in. And you just insert whatever word describes where you're at right now. Lord, I want, I want to know you in the loss of a friend. Because I can't put my mind around it. I don't know what you're going to do here. It doesn't make sense. But I want to know you more with loss and mourning and death. Lord, I want to know you as I take these next steps to treat cancer. I want to know you in cancer. Because here's the thing. If we just pray for the happy days and the sunshine, guess what our faith is going to look like? It's going to look like this thin veneer that when suffering and pain come into it, it's just going to chip away, and it's going to look like an old piece of furniture that we really need to throw away rather than an authentic, sturdy instrument of God. We need to be people who invite God and give God space to know him and grow in a relationship with him, even when we don't know what's going on. Let me share with you what's going on in my life right now. Um, My youngest of three is going to be leaving our home. He's graduating from high school. And I remember Nathan, when he was 18 months, we moved to the city of Topeka and got to be a part of Fellowship Bible Church. Nathan was that tall. And now he's that tall. And he's leaving us. Our house has never been quiet. It's never, and it's about to get quiet. And so I wonder, my goodness, what are we going to do? We'll have an empty, we'll be empty nesters. I preached this last night, and one dude came up to me and said, Joe, man, don't even worry about it. Kids, come back. 
He's going to be doing basic military training uh, with the Air National Guard Reserves, and then he'll be starting at um, Pitt, Pittsburgh State in, in the next semester. And, and so we're, Cheryl and I are looking at each other like, we haven't had kids in the house in 26 years. What do we do? What do we do? We're thinking through that. At the same time here, things are going crazy in, in leadership and just uh, developing a, a strategy that can equip more leaders to do the work of the ministry, really coming in and leaning in on staff to take roles of leadership that we're asking them to lead in. And I, right now, this transition is just really disturbing to me, and it knots me up on the inside because I like to have who will do what by when. I like to have that. I, and, and I like to have every conversation tightly wrapped up with a good, go do that kind of thing. And right now it's kind of frayed and it's not as I would want it to be. And so my thought is just to pray, God, may this end now. (laughs) Or Lord, I want to know you in transition. I want to know you better when the kids aren't here. I want to know you better in the midst of chaos in ministry when I don't know what we're going to do two months from now. I want to know you now, because if I can know you in chaos, then I can thank you when times are good. And I can see how you understand me and how you are working and how you are growing and how you are working in other people to do the work of the ministry. Do you see how much it is? How the potential of just that simple question, God, I want to know you in pain. I want to know you in suffering. I want to know you in loss. I think that's our start because the goal of Christian life is to know Christ. What's your word? What's your word there? Lord, I want to know you in. Some of you are so incredibly anxious and maybe your word is, I want to know you in worry. Some of you deal with um, depression and loneliness. Lord, I want to know you in loneliness and and lean into the scriptures and you will see hundreds of people throughout the scripture who dealt with depression and anxiety and worry and turned to the Lord and knew him in that time. Because the depth of your faith will be the depth of your trust. The depth that you open up your life to will determine the depth of your relationship with the Lord. If you want to know just Jesus on the good days when unicorns cross Wanamaker Road, then then that's the faith you can have. But if you want to know him in the deep, dark times, Lord, I want to know you here. So here's what I want you to do. I just want to take you a moment. What's that word you'd put in there for where you're at in life? And I want to pray for you. Now, specifically, since I was just told before I came out here about the Washburn football player, I want to ask that if you'd like to, immediately after the service, I'd like to lead a prayer time for our Washburn University uh, student body, for their football team and the coaches, and specifically the family of this young man who was gunned down last night. And I'd like to do that right up here after the service, after we do. So if you'd like to be a part of that, just stick around up here and we'll pray, okay? Let's stand now. Lord, you know exactly what's going on in each of our hearts. And I thank you for the honesty of each person here who filled in that blank 
and shared their life with you. You weren't surprised by it, but Lord, now you have an invitation to reveal yourself more through your word, through your people, through prayer, to show them you are a God with them, you are a God for them, and you are a God who is always unraveling the beauty and the wonder and the glory of Jesus in each of our lives as we lean in in to know you more. And as we know you more, Lord, we want to become more like you. We want to be how you would be, what you would say, what you would do in all these seasons of lives that are represented in this room. We want you to be greater in us. We thank you for it. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.